0: Before we jump into the episode this week, I wanted to share a little bit about the Thrive community that I run. It's a place where many like-minded women go to connect and share their experience with getting and staying successfully sober. There are different sections, like the main Thrive community feed, where people post about things that are up and coming, or about challenges they're facing, and they get incredible support from other members of the group. It really is a special, special place to be right now. There are also sections to share your milestones, because every win, even the really small ones, are a big thing to celebrate, and we acknowledge that. There are five events, there are the weekly Zoom recordings, so you can go back and see all the weekly Zoom meetings and all the topics that have been covered in those meetings at your own leisure. There's a share sober tips section and then there are group chats for the first 30 days, the first 100 days, the first year and over a year there's a knowledge hub as well. And in the knowledge hub, you'll find a place for books and book recommendations. There's a section of how to survive the first 30 days. So if you come in completely brand new to getting sober, you can hit the ground running and find tools and information to get a structure set up for yourself from the outset. There's also my Thrive Sober programme, there's a toolkit, there's understanding the brain science and a space to read and learn about all the topics under emotional sobriety, most of which have been written by myself. So come into Thrive. If you're thinking about it or you're lacking community, I would say just jump in and go for it and maybe we'll see you in there soon. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Sarah in Chichester and she is sober 105 days. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Sarah really well because we actually worked together during her 105 days. Um, but I'm really looking forward to unfolding even more of your story today Sarah and you are a true inspiration and I know that people will get a lot from this
1: so welcome to the podcast. Hi Terry thank you for having me here it's an absolute honour to come on and share my story that I never thought would happen. (laughs)
0: Oh, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Um, So before we jump in, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are, what's your life set
1: up, all that jazz? Oh, right. So I'm, my name's Sarah, Sarah Love, and I live in Chichester. I moved to Chichester four years ago, the day before lockdown. Um, I'm a small salon owner and an educator for hairdressers. I teach colour theory, colour science and technique uh, and non-branded. Um, I've been hairdressing for 25 years. I've got a small family, two small children that are now... Crap, how old are they? Um, What are we looking at now? Nine and six. Um, My partner, Jacob, my dog, newest addition to the family, Buddy the Whippet. Uh, We moved down to Chichester the day before lockdown. Um, And then, yeah, set up a small salon down here. Education is pretty much my full-time job. And then I do I've got my fingers in lots of different pies. So I do lots of different things. I've got selling merchandise and um different programs that I run, in-person education, online education, setting up a podcast. So this is great to be on here because it's giving me tips and tricks. Um and yeah, so that's Uh, In a nutshell, that's kind of an overview of me as a person. Sound like a busy woman. Yeah, it's pretty mental. It's always like, I mean, um, something we talked about was um, that kind of, the product- the productivity that has upped its game since being sober which um as you know is 105 days and I haven't been counting and I truly haven't been counting because every time we would do a meeting together you'd be like yeah you've done 40 days and I'd be like have I <laughs> what um it's that easy when you know how um but yeah that's um it's, it's something I, I never expected. I wasn't, I, w- I was always wanting it, but never actually knowing how I could get to this point. Uh, I've been up since probably about seven o'clock working on my business, um, editing the website, getting stuff ready, launching new products. And I can tell you now, like, if you'd have said that that would be me having strategies, people used to take the piss out of me. Other educators that I'm friendly with used to take the piss out of me again. What you're going to plan something and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to really plan something. And I never bloody would. I would just do everything like a week before. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to plan for September. I've got classes booked in for December. I'm going up to Scotland. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you know, my whole, my mind and my brain and the way it's working now is just. Well oiled, it's well, it's just working so well to the point where it's actually a little bit scary like, I'm going to take over the world scary. Um, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like, you get, I'm excited, I feel so happy, enthusiastic. And for so long, I was just in a place of complete, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, suicide. That I mean, when I first started messaging you. I was like, I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do life. I'm at a complete block. And the only other option I can think of is just taking myself out of the equation because everyone would be better off without me. And I truly felt that way. And it was really scary. Um, And I think I reached out to you because I kept seeing your posts on Instagram. And it's not like you were doing a hard sell. You weren't doing anything. You were just there. Which is great. <laughs> Which is um and I think I remember messaging you just saying, I'm not having a good time and you just sort of said, Oh, are you okay? Which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting you to just be like, Hey, join my programme, do this, do this, do this. But you just went, You're all right like hang on in there. Um, and it was just that suggestion of, Okay, there's nothing kind of coming across it's has been quite forceful here and I think it's about building that trust element and I've taken on a lot of business coaches in the past some have been perfect some have been amazing and some have been god-awful so it's quite frightening isn't it letting somebody into your life and telling them in some form your deepest darkest secrets and I think initially it was difficult it's going to always be difficult and uncomfortable and awkward because you're like well how much can I tell this person I was never once made to feel stupid or like I'd done anything bad. It was all coming like everything that I've learned on this journey was coming from a place of complete compassion and wanting to help. And yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. And I can't believe, and I don't think anyone else can believe that I've no alcohol has passed my lips for 105 days, which is like, is that like four months? getting close to it's such a big achievement it's get- massive but listen so many times I used to say oh yeah I'm going to do dry January and I'll be like oh I'll just have the old glass of wine I'll just have the little sip uh, that one doesn't count yeah. and then Jake could be like well you haven't really done it have you and I'd be like "A bloody have and get really defensive like yeah I have and then yeah I tried it so many times so many so many times I'd be like oh I've done a month I've done a week I've done two weeks and then we just fall into that reoccurring cycle of just being in that in the pits I'm gonna say
0: yeah so if we were to go back and look zoom out a bit and look at your life with alcohol talk me through how it all started for you like why did you start drinking how did you start drinking what did that look
1: like throughout your life oh god um yeah it was always it was prevalent in my life throughout I'm gonna say ingrained like it was we were allowed to sip wine on holiday we were allowed to have a sip of daddy's beer we were allowed to and my mum never approved of it like my mum was very much no don't let them drink your beer like um so she was always a watchful eye My dad was always a bit more like, oh, fuck it, have a drink. Life's for having fun and getting drunk. And dad was always pissed. So my dad was always down the pub. So, and he was great fun. Like, I'm not going to say he wasn't because he was. He was hilarious and he still is. And actually he's just started sobriety again because he does stints of sobriety. So, but I've seen how it's, it wrecked their life and wrecked their marriage. And I was aware, I wasn't aware that alcohol was the cause, but I was aware at how bad their relationship got when he drank mm-hmm. and he would always make out like it was mum's fault and it wasn't mm-hmm. but anyway and you can see that with more clarity now I in particular the the older I've got can see that but yeah it was always there the alcohol was always there and I started drinking at sort of like the early, like most of us at like 12 13 14 going out with mates and you know having a vodka orange and then going it's disgusting because it's not an acquired taste and then obviously that just becoming like the norm and getting used to it, a bit like smoking smoking cigarettes or anything else that we do. Um, and then in my 20s, it was a way in which I could use it to sort of build confidence. And I'd be trashed before I even left the house to go out. Yeah. I would be absolutely wasted to go out. Me and my friends would, would all be like that, like and I'd got myself into some really silly, dangerous situations. So if I'm honest with you, my sisters say to me, and I can say to them because I know they're not as bad, but, you know, it's a wonder that you're still here. You know, and I thank my lucky stars that I am, because so many times I've put myself in situations where anything could have happened. And that's the frightening part. Really, really frightening. And even into my 30s, even... um since having children I've put myself in those situations and I'm aware that that's nothing to be ashamed of but there is still that and I think like we spoke like as it is still early days for me at a four-month mark there is still a lot of that that feels very very sore um but yeah it's and, and then meeting my partner we met down the pub we were drinking a lot we were just yeah that was our that was what we did and I thought it, it's just what everybody did I it, know because it's just so normalized everything around alcohol is just so the way it's advertised the way it's wine o'clock for mummies at four or five o'clock like it's just the norm mm-hmm. and you talk about it with people and I think I was talking about it with people like haha yeah go home god I can't wait to go home and get a glass of wine babes And um, thinking, well, everyone else says it, so it must be all right. But I don't think that actually people were drinking to the extent that I was. Mm. I think people, a lot of people were drinking just the one or two, whereas I was having the one or two bottles. Mm. So, and I still felt like that was probably normal. And there were the odd person that I would talk to that would say... Yeah, I do that. I could easily smash two bottles of wine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're on my side. You're on my team. Almost like something to be proud of. Yeah. And then thinking, how am I functioning? How is my body? What the hell is it doing to me? Because I'm not feeling good. Mm. Did you have those? Um, did those oh, gotcha! Yeah, all the time. I knew what I was doing was awful. I knew it. I knew from the way I was acting around the children, the shouting me being in tears me got not getting up out of bed not not being able to cope i couldn't cope with anything terry i couldn't i couldn't cope with life i couldn't listen you know what i've been through in the last couple of months with the salon breaking down the flooding the electrics blowing everything going wrong i would have i would i don't know what i would have done to myself i would have drunk my way through it but um mm. it's really sad it's really sad. It makes me really emotional. I'm laughing now because I, I feel like I've come out the other side. And, but, and I look, do look back, and I do look back with compassion for that person that was doing those things. And I was doing the best I could at that time. And, like, we've talked about, it was my only coping mechanism. Yeah. I didn't know how else to cope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was was the drinking, was that daily thing? Um mm. Uh, And and was that throughout your life or or were there points in your drinking history where it got better or got worse or, you know, turned for you?
1: Oh, it definitely, I think everyone can put a a, uh, lockdown had a price to pay. I think for everybody. Um, Yeah, lockdown definitely ramped up, but I think motherhood as well becoming a mummy I found really really hard and it wasn't my drinking didn't ramp up initially but moving home moving away from friends and family uh the increased pressure that I had through uh everything that I created with my business not quite knowing how I could cope with the stresses of all the people that I'd taken on and started teaching just meant that that added stress again instead of going okay get some hired help get people on board to help you with your business instead of doing that knock back a a bottle of wine and that will help um I was definitely yeah high functioning
0: you echo what a lot of guests talk about and yeah covid covid was a big thing you know in people's lives and especially drinkers and I was fortunate I was sober by
1: then because I would have been, I know I would have been. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad because again, it was kind of, there was nothing else to do. I was living in, I I still am. I feel like I'm in a very um, small place where I don't know anyone. so and again there were people and I knew that there were people in lockdown meeting up with friends and family I didn't have a bubble around me I had no one around me so I just had me and two small children and my partner occasionally I would see my partner's sister who lived down the road but there was no like going for a walk in the woods and meeting up with people there was I didn't have that really and so it went it literally went like a year between seeing my parents And I know that there was a lot of people in that situation. But, yeah, I was unfortunately one of them. And, yeah, I just turned to drinking even more. Jake was at work full time and then I was at work full time. So I was trying to make it work, moving my business further along the line. And then when I couldn't, I would just be drinking. Mm. It was, um, yeah, that was definitely my lowest point. Definitely my lowest point, and then coming out of lockdown and carrying on with that, thinking that that now this is the new norm. No longer does it just take like two or three glasses to get me drunk. It's taking a bottle to get me drunk. So now my body needs more to be able to get me to that fuzzy place. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I could cry looking back.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, motherhood and alcohol because um, I think this is, I mean, it is something that's talked about. I've certainly tried to be open about this as well, but I do think there's still quite a lot of taboo, still quite a lot of pressure on parents, mothers particularly, um, especially the parent that stays at home. You know, suddenly you have this life, and I don't know whether this is like you, for, the same for you as well, but I know for, for my my own story, you have this life, you have this career, you have this social life, you have money to do things, And then you have a child and you place a lot of expectation. I place a lot of expectation on that process. And actually, although I loved my baby so much, I loved that in those initial months and things. It was so, the change was astonishing for me. Overnight, my life changed. I, my partner at the time was able to go out still in the week and was going out frequently after work. And having drinks and late nights, and I always just felt like I was at home inside a bar of the odd walk here or there or the odd baby group. It was just like 24 hours inside this house with this baby, all quite monotonous, bit mundane. <laughs> and my body was really different. I didn't feel very sexy or very attractive, which you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be putting yourself under that pressure straight away, right? But unfortunately, that's kind of it's just all this expectation isn't it and and you know you're Yeah so totally easy to see your own flaws
1: and i was drinking to get through those days what yeah and about- wishing it away you do your best, don't you? And I think the biggest thing that I struggle with, with having, with childbirth and having children is that nobody mentally prepares you for what's about to happen. If they did, I don't think you would do it. If you truly were given a little slice of what life was like after having a baby. Now, from, from certainly from my experience, I had not the best experience being pregnant. The first time around, it was, it was um, very it was traumatic because I was put, I was put at very high risk and um, had lots of complications. So it really stressed me out and further down the line caused me to have really bad postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety and agoraphobia. So there were times in which for weeks on end, I wouldn't leave the house. And it was, and I remember going to the midwife and she said, how are you? And I said, pretty shit, to be honest with you. And she said, could you refrain from swearing? And I was like, is that all you've got to say? I'm at the most broken that I've ever, ever been. And you've told me to stop swearing. Anyway, turns out she was Christian. Anyway, <laughs> but it was, I was shocked at that. And I just thought, what, what, what am I supposed to do? What, how am I supposed to cope with all these mental health issues that I now have? Luckily for me, I found a support group called Talk Plus, which were fantastic. Um, really, really helps with mental health particularly for my panic attacks and um, agoraphobia but what I was doing was then introducing alcohol to help as a coping mechanism because I didn't know what the hell I didn't know what to do I didn't know who to turn to my mum is very much like my mum is six children 10 grandchildren now or six children she's been through hell and back in her relationship with my father and has a you know her own issues with losing her mum very very young and then her dad committing suicide so that depression on her part is quite prevalent in her life Mm. and for her she was very much like you just got to get on and deal with it because this is it and it doesn't get any better or any easier it's shit and this is it um that's not necessarily what I needed to hear but my mum is not the person to go to for that support. So I needed to get a professional in and I didn't have the money to get a one on one coach. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know what to do. So for me, it was about, you know, I'd already tried speaking to my, my, um, midwife about it. So for me, it was turning to alcohol. Yeah. it's really really crap but there are so many people that do it because and I'm talking my sister through it at the moment because she has two young toddlers she fortunately she's not drinking heavily but just knowing that you've got a support network around you if you don't you're completely screwed sometimes and my sisters at the time one of them didn't have children and I'm very close to my sisters one of them um was working busy in London with her career. The other one was her children were older and didn't quite understand the depression or was just out having fun. Like Her kids had grown up, so she was off out having fun. I was in Babyville. Um, I had a few friends around me, but I, I ended up throwing myself into my career and my business massively. That's how I dealt with it, and I ended up drinking.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The thing that I think keeps cropping up in all these stories is the prevalence of significant life events, whatever that means to you, um, yeah. how they contribute to that reliance on drinking alcohol, because it is about trying to cope. And I, I think when I scan over my life, I had my own traumas in childhood had a, had a broken relationship with my mum who who was a big drinker um mentioned that quite a lot on this podcast but then I got myself into quite a lot of different bits of trouble in my 20s and me you know I didn't have that intention I wasn't a bad kid if you like but I just made daft choices or got too into debt or you know things like that and ended up with yeah yeah, yeah. that I could deal with because I yeah. didn't really have any I didn't have any coping skills and and I felt like I graduated into adulthood, and I, I, I just, I didn't have a great relationship with money and things like that because i would not seen a lot of that at home either. So of course, you are a product of your environment. You know, we talked about yeah. that in our coaching yeah. together, but and I think when I, you know, same as you, I had traumatic. To be honest, I lost my first child at twenty weeks. I had to have a termination. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, and I had to have a termination, so I, so I was really pregnant at work. And then I had to go away, terminate, because it, it had um, PATO 13, which is not compatible with life. So mm-hmm. I just couldn't put myself through going on with a pregnancy for as long as it would take for it to, you know. Yeah, awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, mean, I just couldn't do that. And then so I had to deal with that. And I remember that was one of those big significant turning points, I think, for me, trying to cope with that loss. Was And especially, I think, on top of my own abandonment issues that had developed with the relationship with my mum and all of that stuff. It just compounded that. And that, I felt so lonely and sad, I think, in that time. Um, and and my kind of drinking ramped up. But then when I got pregnant and I had my um, lovely daughter, Annie, I then didn't feel euphoric. I didn't have any postnatal depression, but... I was able to tune into, you know, the bits that I didn't love about early motherhood. And then I felt guilty, you see, because I thought, well, I've lost my first baby. I should, you know, and sometimes depending on the circle that you're in, you can't find people that have your, that talk your language. You can't find find that. And, and, and I think back then people weren't really, so this is kind of 2013 People weren't mm. really talking about the dark sides or the or the shit sides of parenting. It was all a bit like, you know, yeah, enjoy it. You know, it will be over before you know it, and it's just that kind of like trying to that force that positivity for it. And I just think yeah. these things they sort of they just sort of they, they tumble into one big <laughs> ball that before you know it you've you know you're sort of two children in single parent in my case and just Mm. drinking one
1: or two bottles of wine most nights yeah definitely the worst point for me not that I was that it was that unfairness with motherhood it's all right for you it's all right for you because I'm doing everything as well I get I'm doing it all and you're not you're hardly doing anything so and we've talked a lot about my relationship Mm. um with our one-on-one but I I had this resentment they just they just carry on as normal which obviously they're not deep down things do change for them um but yeah I used alcohol to try and bring myself back to that normal point if that makes sense like I can still be that fun sexy person but I have to be pissed yeah yeah no
0: I um,
1: really
0: get that actually because it gives you
1: um a brief it gives you a two or three hour taste of your old life is something that was just used as a coping mechanism massively
0: yeah and you can see how that that reliance forms you can see you know alcohol does a good job of chemically changing your state that's essentially us and so um you can see why people get Get kind of tricked into drinking to cope. So uh-huh. talk to me about, and you briefly did, but talk to me a little bit about the weeks leading up to actually stopping. You know, we reached out to me, obviously, but what was happening before that? What What got you to that place where you thought, right, that's it,
1: that's it, I've got to do it? Oh God, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I can't think. I just, I'd got to too many I don't remember what happened last night moments blackouts yeah, and just put again put myself in in dangerous situations that how did I get home oh my god I've got a, a, a scratch all up my arm like where's my bike like because I remember me and my friend going out to the pub and we took the bike but we've completely fallen off the bike and it was like again anything could have happened. and luckily around here it's not particularly busy but um yeah, just those, those situations. And again, arguments, arguments in my relationship that just weren't necessary arguments. My body feeling swollen, putting on so much weight. They put on like three stone in lockdown from, from, yeah, it was probably over the course of like three years. I'd put on a stone a year from drinking and eating crap because naturally those those things kind of went hand in hand. Even though I was going to the gym and maybe weightlifting and trying to be healthy and going for a run and it just wasn't there. I was denying myself really what my body could potentially and fully do because I know because I was very athletic in my early to mid-twenties when I didn't drink so much or just drank socially. Now I was drinking as a coping or self-medicating. I was I mean, I look at my face and actually I went over to my, ah, oh, this was brilliant. I forgot to tell you this. Um, I went over to my sister-in-law's for a little tea party, one of the kids' birthday parties. And her husband said to me, you look really different. And I went, ah, uh, do I? He went, yeah. He says, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, your eyes are really like bright and shiny. I was yeah. like, oh. And he said, I think it's just where you've stopped drinking. I went, yeah. And I was like, I've lost half a stone. And yeah, he was like, you can really, really tell. But yeah, the, the point before, oh my God, like I said, I was just on my knees and I remember being in the kitchen and howling up at the ceiling and I was, I'd was i squashed myself in between the two cupboards at the corner point of the kitchen. With my, I was just leaning into the kitchen cupboards sobbing because life was not where I was wanting it to go. You know when you know you have your North Star you can see it so clearly of where you want to be who you want to be but I was down here and I was thinking how do I get to that point point? and I had done everything else I'd done the gym I'd done the life coaching I'd done the business marketing I'd done pretty much everything and it was like okay I admit defeat now you can have me like just take me and then I knew that my next steps were sobriety I knew it is what it was It's the only thing that was holding me back from being the person I wanted to be and getting me to the life I wanted to be. And now, like, I've always been the driving force. I've always been full of so much, with so much to give. And I kept saying to you quite a lot towards the end, probably, while I was kind of waking up, I just need to step into myself, that true sense of who I am and what I am. And now it's happening and it's just, yeah, amazing. So yeah, leaning it, that's exactly where I was, sobbing on my knees, begging for mercy and just praying that something would change. But I knew that, you know, that those changes don't just happen by chance. You make them happen. You have to make them happen. And you, you know, there is like, I couldn't put a price on your head even though now i don't like not everybody can do this because like i said to you it's the way in which you do it you know anyone can say oh you know you've got to do this and you've got to do this and this and this and this for to get this result but and i guess every journey is different so you mustn't compare your journey to somebody else's and you know your success is going to lie in how much you really really want it, and I feel like when you invest it there's more value in it, so for me, by investing, I've invested my money, my time, the fact that I want to do it, and I've got the most the most value out of being with you no mm. it's been fabulous, but you can't <laughs> put a price on it, can you? I cannot because that's my life that is my whole life and my future
0: yeah but I've I've said this to you before though as well that um you know I I I'm just there to facilitate really what's inside you already you know you you have done this you have this it's a teacher
1: life. the thing that i hear the same things from my stu- from my students or learners that come to me and i i say exactly the same thing but it's a lot to do with the teacher and the way you talk because it's not every day it's not every day you come across people that teach you in the right way and in a, in a way in which you listen and you care i mean you can only care so much because you have your own life yeah but you so, do and you're doing this for because you know exactly what it's like sorry i keep putting in because you know exactly because you've been there you've been there and you've done it and you've walked the walk and you've talked the talk so i think when you've come from that place there's that instant connection that doesn't always happen straight away because it took about four sessions for me to fully re- relax mm. and i needed to sleep a lot because there was a lot of sleeping that i hadn't been doing <laughs> Yes. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that actually, because I think that's, you know, because one of the questions on this show is what was the first 100 days like? Well, of course, you know, you have just crossed that line. So it's all very fresh for you still, which is fantastic because people listening to this show might be on day 15 or, you know, I know you didn't count your days, but, you know, they might be very early on in their journey. So, what sorts of things can you remember
1: that you uh, to go
0: through and, and that I surprised you? And, you know, whether that was good or bad?
1: The beginning stages were dog shit. Like, I, uh, because I've done this before for. Three two or three months, I kind of had an inkling that it took for me. Now, this doesn't go for everybody, but I'm a bit of a sleepy Susan anyway. Like I like my sleep, and sleep is important to me. Any family member will tell you, or oh, Christmas Day, Sarah would go and take herself off for a four-hour nap. <laughs> I function better with a, a lot of sleep. Um, I like my own space. It's surprising. There's all these things have happened. I've started realizing that yeah I'm not actually like that social I like just being on my own in my room in my bed reading or listening or just being on my own but yeah the first I mean only 105 days but the first God what was it I'm gonna be honest it was took about six to eight weeks to start feeling good it took a long time was it worth it yeah I wouldn't want to go back but oh my god. The way I feel now versus, I mean, God, the thought of a hangover, I would be beside myself. I would be disappointed in myself, more than disappointed. But, yeah, the first 100 days were hell and back, I'm not going to lie. Not the first 100 days, the first... The first couple of weeks were okay and then I realised that actually my body has a lot more work to do than what I thought it had. So the recovery process for me was pretty hard. Um, and But there were lots of things that kept coming up. Uh, the relationship with my partner, there was we were butting heads because he's a drinker, I wasn't a drinker, I was almost disgusted with alcohol, <laughs> didn't want it in the house, um, caused lots and lots of problems. We're now clear of those issues. Kind of clear. Like we had lots of, lots of fighting, lots of arguments, lots of me saying to him, I don't want to be with you anymore. Then him saying to me, I don't want to be with you anymore. Like we both had to find our place and we found it. it was so much better. But yeah, I had to sleep a lot and I had to eat a lot, a lot of protein. Actually, what I did. When And I said this to you and you were like, I don't think that's such a good idea, but you do whatever makes you feel good. When I stopped drinking, I signed up to uh, something called Team RH, which is they basically help you log your protein and your macronutrients. Because I know from previous experience, and I know because we talk about this a lot as well, how important food is for your body, food for the soul, food for your brain.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't it that in the second week you messaged me and said, I really want to lose weight. I'm going to sign up to Weight Watchers. That's it.
1: Yeah. That, Sorry.
0: That, it was that, wasn't it? And I said, <laughs> I said to you, um, let's go not to dilute the focus. You know, let's go yeah. sobriety the priority. Cause sometimes, I mean, look, we're quite similar people. We've joked through throughout our time together that, you know, we're 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 hyper focuses. Um, and we like lots of projects and we like doing lots of things at the same time and that usually is a really positive thing but can also sometimes be overwhelming and wears you out and you know because I knew that the sobriety journey was probably going to change a bit and you were going to get that overwhelming tiredness and the lack of energy and then suddenly you become more aware of your cycle and your hormones and your moods and everything feels just big I think that I was thinking yeah Weight Watchers maybe not the right idea but I have to say that I know obviously that you really focused on protein and I was doing a similar thing and I and I know that really supported um supported your journey which is which has been a really positive thing and I think you've got yeah
1: have a of that, haven't you I, th- I think if I'm going to do something, I've got to do it the best. I've got to do it as best I can, like with anything in life. I can't just do it half-assed. So, and because I think I had that three months a year ago and failed miserably and ended up eating loads of sugar, because mm-hmm. uh, naturally when you give up alcohol, your body's kind of missing something, and it's missing those sugars that you've been drinking and all those calories you've consumed. So to make sure your body is feeling... Um, full and nourished you need to fill it with good food and protein is obviously what's there to help fill you up <clears throat> and certain other vitamins and minerals that your body is then lacking so I am very into that kind of health and that foodie side of things. I like knowing what I'm eating. I like know where, where it comes from. And you kind of, yeah, just helped kind of enhance that as well. And I knew already, like, certain vitamins I needed to start taking and um <clears throat> stuff I needed to do. But, yeah, I, yes, yeah, my fault. I forgot about Weight Watchers. I totally forgot. But I... I'm a massive advocate of making sure you're not necessarily, you don't have to count your macros, but just that you're eating good, healthy food. And it's something that's so important in the early days of sobriety. So important because your, your body's, you know, it's like one long hangover, isn't it? You're trying to get, get out of that. And the more you can fuel your body, the more you can sleep, the better. So yeah, but that whole relationship thing the whole because I was so scared for that that first point and my biggest concern was how am I gonna make sure my relationship how do I get him to see that it's not healthy and how do I um bring him round to my way of thinking now there's absolutely no way I can tell Jake what to do unfortunately he d- <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't control him. He does have his own mind and he can do what he wants to do. So Christmas for me was particularly difficult because I'd gone sober on the 13th of November. Christmas pending. And I was like, you know what? I totally got this because in my mind, Christmases for me that were good were spent sober. Um, and I baked and I cooked and I cleaned and I wrapped presents really well. And I decorated the house really well. And he was off down the pub getting pissed. And I literally didn't talk to him. I literally didn't talk to him. We had not the best Christmas in that that sense, but then yeah, things started improving. Mm. But you have to want for it to improve and you have to communicate, don't you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What were the things that changed there, do you think?
1: Um I think he just came around maybe to my way of thinking a little bit, the more I did, like do as I do, not as I say, kind of thing. So I just acted like a little bit like a princess if I'm honest with you it was a little bit more snotty nosed about alcohol I did say to him please don't bring it in the house just for this early part whilst I kind of get over things and I felt like it was a big ask but you know he kind of did and kind of didn't and was hiding it in his van and I was then worried that he was drink driving and we were having these arguments but he was like I'm not I'm just hiding it from you and um I was like, I don't want it. I was like, I just don't want to see it. I don't I don't want it. I don't want to see it. I just don't want that reminder right now. And I don't want you pissing me off and you're pissing me off. So just please leave. So every time we would have this kind of like, oh, he's coming. I'm going to walk into another room and I'd be like, have you been drinking? And then I had to forget. I had to forget everything about him and just focus on me. I had to literally take myself off. So Christmas Day, I spent a lot of it just frantically baking cheese scones flapjacks meringue pies dipping out like pies and puddings to the community like I need to just focus on on Sarah like I need to learn how to just not worry about him like he's not my responsibility I'm my responsibility do me yeah
0: yeah It's 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 a challenging thing but it is a light bulb moment I think when you turn that focus inward and I think a lot of our disappointment comes from the either known or the kind of conscious or unconscious expectations we have of other people and, mm-hmm. and we you know we have to remind ourselves that we can't control other people and that people are going to be who they are and and we need to focus on who we are and how we can be better yeah and I
1: think that yeah that was probably quite a bit of a game changer for you in your oh my life. god massively like I'm such a control freak and I can't help it it's just the way I am my anxiety spikes and I get a sniff have you been drinking like I just can't help it where have you been down the pub again who, who was there who were you with it? like I'm nosy I'm inquisitive like most women you want to know what the hell's going on like where did you go for lunch did you have a drink and it's almost like that kind of FOMO for me like it's partly my fear of missing out and partly like you're disgusting you've been drinking <laughs> like and now it's like do you know what the, the ultimate test of time was well not only was he still drinking but he then started smoking again and I was like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> What's going true, on? True rebellion going on there isn't there <laughs> literally here's my driver he drives he drives me insane but yeah that he's stopped it again now So it's almost like he's testing me. But I tell you for one thing, I felt like since giving up alcohol, the world has tested me. Now, that might just be my paranoia, but it's almost like, how much can you withstand? Like, how much can you... um, It's like, how much are you willing to lean into this discomfort? (laughs) Yeah, it really, really challenges you because you're like... And I think throughout this whole 105 days, there has been twice when I have really thought, fuck it, driving back home thinking, like, in tears, something else has gone wrong Mm. and um, thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to go and get a bottle of rose, Mm. fuck it, and then just go, no, 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 bring yourself back to the moment, like, no, what's that going to lead to? How's that going to make you feel? How's that gonna have an effect on everything? How is that gonna impact everything? Because mm. it won't just be one bottle of rose. Yeah. That's yeah. it then going back to square one again. And I think once you when you've started square one like forty odd times, you just like not going right. Can't do that again. No, no. I it makes sense now. I get it now. I do get it now. Also talk me through what
0: is it? What did it feel like as well, those two very big, powerful times where you nearly just thought, I'm going to drink. And then the next day you kind of woke up and you hadn't drunk or, you know, the moment when you realised, God, that was a really big thing. And I've kind of got through that. And now I feel, you know, what did that feel like?
1: Um, how does it feel? I don't know how it feels. It's massive. It's such a big feeling. It was the the salon flooding and then all the electrics tripping and this going on for two weeks and me thinking it was the end of all these problems happening with the salon and then it reoccurring and then me thinking, do you know what? The only thing I have now is alcohol. And the other one was walking around Marks and Spencers past the alcohol aisle and thinking of summer. And we talked about these two situations, but what it, what it felt like was one was one of those feelings was, ah, oh, fuck it. And the other one of those feelings was, oh, oh, I'm not going to have that anymore. Mm. Oh, what's that going to look like? So two completely different feelings, Mm. but to the same thing, anchored to the same thing. Yeah. And this is something that, um, the thing with alcohol is like, it's any excuse, isn't it? So because alcohol is any excuse to celebrate, to commiserate, to enhance to, to to anything there was always alcohol involved so those big feelings for me were yeah around those moments of oh fuck it oh I'm so angry what the fuck else can I do I just need to have a I just need a bottle of wine to take it away and then that oh, oh my god what's summer going to be like mm-hmm. oh my god I'm not going to be able to do that oh my god I'm not going to be on the veranda sipping Mm. what are we gonna do oh so two very different feelings but big feelings one of loss one of complete loss
0: yeah
1: and then one of complete anger Mm. and fear as well yeah and that's how fucking clever alcohol
0: is Mm. yeah what would you say those getting through those big couple of moments has taught you about yourself
1: that you just don't need it like literally you just don't you don't I don't I don't need it that I can do it on my own I can stand on my own two feet and actually lean into life and go it'll be all right don't worry about it it will be okay just keep going and summer is going to be absolutely awesome because you get to um you get to do the things all you want everything you wanted to do in a summer without sitting in the garden getting shit-faced you're actually going to experience a nice summer for a change yeah I'm excited oh that's so cool I know right I get to I get to do it we're going to Barcelona on Saturday and I had Barcelona booked for January or December I can't remember and you said no I had to change it because we couldn't get the dog looked after. And you said it's a, you were like it's a blessing. You just need to hunker down right now. Barcelona is for when you're ready. And yet, yeah, had I gone to Barcelona too early, I couldn't have done it. I, could, I would have probably have ended up drinking or just having a really shit miserable time.
0: I'm so excited for you because Barcelona. Me too. It is just awesome, and the cafe culture is just fantastic you know lovely little glasses of coffee and tapas and sunshine and just beautiful food and you just get to hoover it all up now and feel it all and be in that moment and tie your legs out every day walking around barry de gotique and all these places and just yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for you. It's a wonderful place to go. And it it's definitely not a place you want to go when you're romanticizing alcohol and not letting yourself have it. You know, exactly. it a different experience for sure. I'm not saying you can't go get through those things, but it's nice that you can go almost with that lightness mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. you don't have those aggravating or intrusive thoughts about what your brain thinks you're missing out on exactly drinking um so yeah really exciting um, exact
1: um, exactamente as uh, they say uh, in, uh, Barcelona.
0: In, ba- in Barcelona. in um, Barcelona. Sorry. um so what's been what would you say i mean look i know we've talked about a lot here and you've talked about a lot of the positives but i don't know if it's possible for you to summarize it but what what have you how has your life changed so if you look at yourself in October last year, okay, so just kind of a few weeks before you your journey, what is the difference between Sarah in October 2023 and Sarah in February 2024, 105
1: days sober. If you can dream it, it can happen. And uh, you've got to make it happen. But yeah, like I said, my business, like everything is just doing so much better. My relationship with Jacob, the relationship with my children, like I had pretty much not lost. Yeah, like, goodness me, the shout, like we talked about shouty mum. I was awful shouty mum. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't being my best as a mum. I wasn't being particularly nice or as a partner or as a person. I wasn't dealing with things. It was just, um, I mean it's complete 360 turnaround it's it's like two different people it's a sound cliche but it is it's two different people it's the person I want to be it's now it's a transformation amazing transformation and everyone is noticing you look so much healthier I got the other day you look so much healthier and I was like shit I must have looked really awful (laughs) like even after like two or three weeks my sister was like you look less puffy and I don't see my family that often because they still live back in Surrey but yeah you look less puffy um but from the inside oh my god back running again um just yeah doing the things just okay it's all just getting started I'm just I'm just warming up I'm literally just warming up like I've still got lots, lots to come, lots of things. There's so much I want to do, so much I want to see. Organising, more organising. I've realised how much I bloody love organising. Um, Yeah, life is really good, like really good. I can honestly say, hand on my heart, that things have not been this good ever. Like, and that is a big thing to say, isn't it? Wow, that
0: is a big thing to say. Like,
1: what well, to feel like you've got your eggs... Ex- your, is it X or your ducks lined up?
0: I know this one. You've ducks lined up. I Every mean, ducks in a row, don't you? Not your own.
1: You, why do you line them up anyway? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, let's not go into that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not, not my strength. Um, it, yeah, to feel like you've got a plan of action. You've got, I feel like I've got, I don't know, I've just got me back, like me back, but better yeah like a, two point, like a 2.0 version just
0: thinking 2.0 Sarah 2.0 oh, yeah um,
1: how has it changed the relationship with yourself amazing like I said to you the last thing I actually have fallen back in love with myself it's so nice it's such a nice feeling it's such a nice feeling to like put your clothes on like putting my jeans on the other day and I'm like oh my god I can get like my whole hand in the front now like oh, my God, these are going to be falling off me soon. I'll be going down a size again. Like, I can just already, like, I have been working at it. It doesn't just happen because you can obviously sit and be like, oh, I'm just going to eat loads of, I'm going to give up drinking and eat loads of shit food. Like, I've worked at it, so it's very important that you do work at that, obviously without overwhelming yourself with it. But naturally, that does happen anyway. But, yeah, just, it's... um. It's just astonishing to think that I can not now looking in the mirror and not saying those shit things about myself or I'm a failure or waking up with that, those palpitations, the sweats, stinking and being like, oh, you drank again last night. Instead, I'm waking up like literally, I know a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but literally, who? another day, I get to do another day yeah. because I'm so grateful I'm so grateful and I was always trying to do gratitude I don't think you can really do gratitude until you're really fully in a place of gratitude and I know because I was there like oh thank you for this thank you for that but not really because I'm I don't know I don't know how you feel about this but how can you be so grateful and yet pour alcohol all over it like I don't know is that a bad thing to say no, I
0: don't think so. Um, I just—I don't think that gratitude was overly present in my life as a drinker. I think shame and um, regret and those types of emotions took over the show for me.
1: Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think that's what I, what I meant to say was that I was trying to make gratitude for, I was trying to make gratitude happen. But the one thing, one thing I wanted to say was those pink fluffy cloud moments. And I had one last night because they'd not happened for a little week, like a probably about four or five days they hadn't happened. I had just had my period. So I kind of blame it on that. But when you get those moments when you stop drinking and you're like, this is as good as or better than having two glasses, of two, two or three glasses of wine this feeling right now if you could bottle that mm. that mm. is priceless and i get to have these pink fluffy cloud moments all the fucking times like
0: yeah
1: they're amazing those oh my god i feel like i'm at home yeah i feel like that cozy closeness that's really hard to describe until you start having those moments of, oh, my God, I feel great. This is great. Isn't this lovely? Isn't this just so nice? Yeah. yeah. And then then I can have that gratitude. Then I can truly because I'm truly feeling it instead of just going, thank you for today <laughs> and not because my there wasn't a headspace for it. That's what I'm getting at it wasn't a headspace because my head was so full of fear anxiety and regret yeah yeah and now I truly get to actually feel and do and be gratitude without sounding like a complete hippie here like I get to actually be it because I'm actually in that moment of feeling it yeah yeah it's really real isn't it
0: feels really it's really
1: encompassing it's really um it's like you're there a speck you're your for me it happened last night and I was driving home we're taking the kids to soft play and it was something really simple but there was a really nice pink sky and the clouds looked really pretty and we we're gonna go and get a pizza and it was like I was in the car but I had zoomed out on myself and I was looking at that moment as a whole and going that's what this is about. priceless yeah this is priceless because normally I would be stinking hungover and still in bed
0: It's so, I love how you can apply that across almost every day of your life. And I really feel that natural, deep, almost unprompted gratitude most days. I still feel it. It's nearly five years in, you know, listening to you talk there um, is making me think about, I'm really excited because tonight I get to um, go to the football which is not something I get to do very often. And um, I get to go with my husband and his family. And, you know, it's just, I know I'm going to wrap up really warm. It's like the excitement outside the ground. I'm going to get into the stadium and all the lights will be shining and the music will be going and there'll be that excite you know, electric atmosphere. And I'll be with my family and my husband's like my favorite people and I just get to be there. I've got child-free night as well. So all these little things just I'm so excited about. Over five years ago, the whole night would be about, right, what can I drink before I go? Um, like, i better not drink too much. I don't want to keep going to the toilet. And also, like, can I drink at halftime? Uh, you know, do you know what I mean? It just wouldn't – you know, it, I'm really looking forward to it, but I can't – you know, I'd like to have a few drinks really enjoy it. And, you know, it's just all – bollocks really isn't it you just don't need it It robs the joy in that moment like for me I'm just so I don't need anything else other than the experience just being there in the moment being present being excited whether we win or not just being in that moment for me is all I need and that (laughs) is so powerful you don't need anything else other than the moment um, it's
1: sickening it's sickening. It really is because you, you I listen. I used to listen to people and go, oh, well, load of bollocks, but it is literally that sickening. It's yeah. so wonderful and so lovely. And not, yeah, gosh, I can't tell you. Who's got the booze? Where are we getting the booze from? Yeah. Like, I've got something stuffed in my coat and Jake will have something stuffed in his coat. Like There's, there's constantly like, oh, I'm going to have to run down to the shops because I've run out of alcohol. There's... Yeah, when are we going home because I need a drink? Are we going soon? I don't want to say it's off play too long because I need to go and get wine. Yeah. It's so the first thing. Soon as I wake up in the morning, hungover, when's the next drink? Yeah. I've got to get over this hangover. I can make it through the day. Am I excited? Not really. I'm living for the alcohol. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really sad and it's really, um, I'm just... Gladys, behind me, if I'm honest with you. Like, whew, sheesh. What a journey. What a roller coaster. You know, yeah. To think, to think it, it, do you know what? For such a long time, I didn't think it was the common denominator. I didn't, I didn't think. I thought it was everybody else and not me. I thought it was everything else and not me. I thought the world was unfair. I thought everything was not my fault. It's really sad.
0: It's really powerful alcohol is really. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's why it's really hard to step away from it and that's why I also think 100 days is is such a powerful amount of days because it's funny I was I was reading something on social media uh, around towards the end of dry January and looking at people's comments you know you just like go straight straight to the comments what are people saying and so many people were saying well i did 30 days and didn't change anything so back on the booze way you know and they were sort of ju- you know justifying their drinking choices which you know i, I do understand I've, I've been in that place myself and it made me think that's because you know some people can feel a lot in 30 days and fantastic if you do um but most people don't feel a lot in 30 days in actual fact 30 days it doesn't it doesn't really scratch the surface and actually, no. I think it's some of the harder days, actually, the first 30 days. Someone's like, you get that far in, why would you not go further? You know, give yourself a real chance to get some good time on your belt. But when you do more than 30 days, when you do more than 60 days, more than 90, you go over 90, you get to 100. You start, you've, you've been through enough things and you've, and you've, you've got, you're able to catalogue enough experiences and wobbles and build your evidence cup and all this stuff. You've just got so much more data and you give yourself an opportunity to get past that kind of unrelenting tiredness and fogginess and feeling really high and low. And just getting to this point where you are now, I think it's a game changer for a lot of people. And that's not to say that people don't go back drinking because some people do, some people need to go around one or two or three times, to, you know, to get into a place where they're really comfortable in sobriety. But a lot of people get to a hundred days and, and, and go on
1: and, and how, and that's it. I'm, you know? I'm definitely, this is it. There is no way it can, there's no space for it in my life. There's absolutely nowhere it goes now. There's not even a tipple, not even, it's funny, a, a birthday party last week and um, the girls all had Prosecco and I just kept looking at the bottle and envisioned me going. uh. <laughs> and the other thing was the drinking dreams as well. But I just kept thinking, what would that be like? Like, oh yeah, for that moment. What? No, just no. Just absolutely no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it, it, life is what uh, is that grand old saying? I love a saying. Life is what you make it, and you know for some people it works for me it doesn't doesn't work just does not work tried and tested for what when did I start drinking 15 now nearly what, what am I 42 I don't know what was the maths but only 27
0: years I started drinking at 14
1: and I <clears throat> 41 and that was yeah so tried and tested for that long and it's not working it's not working it's clearly never going to work is it and I used to hope that every time I'll be all right tonight. No, it never was. I not was too much. Yeah,
0: awful. I always convinced myself that I'd I'd manage to moderate. Just keep trying, Terry. You've yeah. only done nearly three decades, and it's not been successful so oh.
1: far. <laughs> the, the other one is the other one is, and I had a dear friend of mine, colleague, say this to me the other day. Well, I've moved to gin now. And it just it's working much better, and I'm like, really?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Are yes.
1: you lying, to yourself? <laughs> I,
0: know. I don't. I don't drink. I don't drink red wine because that makes me crazy, or I don't drink white wine because that makes me psycho, or I don't drink. If I drink red, I don't drink white. or go back to white. I don't go back to red. You know, and it, I, I've been there, done it, done all the same
1: things, and I, I, nobody. The bigger picture is, is that the active ingredient in all of this is something called alcohol.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I had a friend as well who said, I only buy really expensive wine now, you know, like 70 pound bottles or something. And I don't don't get hangovers on really expensive stuff
1: that's really clever then <laughs> oh yeah I get that I get somebody said to me the other day I don't get hangovers after a bottle and a half I was like what a load of crap you're lying to me and you're lying to yourself
0: yeah. even the tiredness like you, you, you're gonna feel because you're not gonna sleep after that amount of wine properly Mm-mm. in fact a very small amount of wine disrupts your sleep so yeah about, so imagine a bottle or a bottle and a half how much that yeah sleep there's
1: no way that the 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 chemistry that's involved with the stress levels that rise um, and I have this argument and I've given up now with my partner Jacob he's like it relaxes me I'm like do you know as soon as you have that glass of wine the thing it does is actually stresses you out even more because it raises it raises your cortisol so that you have that drink and get that dopamine hit but then you come crashing back down very quickly in order to have another drink and then the same happens again you have another drink and then the same happens again you have another drink I was like so really all you're doing is putting yourself in a constant state of stress and you're not understanding that that's what's happening and it's like no that doesn't happen to me I'm like oh my god this is lost completely lost on you but he's just
0: probably not ready to hear it that's, that's no
1: of course of course but,
0: but obviously that initial feeling of relaxation is sedation because yeah is a sedative so uh yeah you might as well have a, a an injection or something and, and sedate yourself but the, yeah. the sedative this yeah the effects the the sedation is what makes you feel relaxed but then because the brain registers alcohol as a, as a, as, as a threat, and an enemy. it's poison. It, something's wrong. Yeah, it is poison at the end of the day, obviously. Yeah, so something's wrong. So it releases its little army of cortisol. Mm. So that, you know, at the end of the day, you're just in a never-ending cycle. The endorphins that come after two drinks, dynorphins start to kick in. And yeah. dynorphin is the opposite of endorphins so dynorphin is trying to slow you down to bring that's you right. down, to pull you right back down again so it's like this tug of war so actually that's why you never feel as good as after your second drink because that you know team dynorphin kicks in mm-hmm. and then it starts you've got the cortisol and the dynorphin so actually there's there's not much of a party going on upstairs after no that. But not many people none. can stop after two drinks, right? And that's the whole point of <laughs> why? of alcohol. Yeah, what's the whole point of
1: this podcast and talking to people that you
0: know? we not none of us were soft two drink people,
1: so <laughs> when you when you see it for the bigger picture and for what alcohol truly is in the market and who it's actually serving, I think that's the bigger picture, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, just before you go then, before we wrap up, um, what are your top three
1: tips, Blake? Take yourself away. Go anywhere that means that you're in a more comfortable position. If that means going for a walk, if it means sitting in the car, if it means crying in the car, if it means sitting in your bed for eight weeks until you feel better, then so be it. Um, Sleep. Be on your own. Having compassion for yourself. I could just reel off loads. Oh, my God. Listen to listening to as much information or getting the support that you need getting the support you need being having people having someone or a support network around you is key and a lot of this is going to be quite lonely but that's where you're tapping into yourself as well what makes you know it's important to have that time to actually, because your brain has been so preoccupied and poisoned with alcohol that you need to actually, un- oh, low battery. You've got to undo all of that and start making amends. And with that, it takes time. So allow yourself that compassion, sleep and eat and take yourself away. Yeah. yeah. It's Very- like a long holiday for the soul. What a beautiful way to wrap up. So where can we find you and follow you if you're open? Oh, Sarah Loves Hair underscore on Instagram and then Sarah Love on Facebook, Sarah Loves Hair. Sarah Loves Hair Education. Check me out. Come and say hello. I'm sure people will. Do you reckon?
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. You have been a delight. So nice to get to talk to you again. Um, I know. and thank likewise you, thank you for sharing your story um and sharing the journey i think you've i love how honest and raw and direct you are i appreciate that's, just,
1: that. that's only a little bit that's just a little yeah. bit you know I,
0: I like that i like that in people i like that. me too yeah so it's
1: fresh yeah. isn't it i keep it real
0: yeah so thank you for bringing <laughs> that to my show and um i'm excited for the next 100 days for you you know Me too. keep in touch oh, won't you yeah i definitely will i definitely will and to everybody else thank you as always for your continued support your love your wonderful messages I, I love getting messages and hearing all your milestones and hearing how this show in particular has helped you and so until next time goodbye thank you so much for listening to this podcast If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at sassysobermum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.